I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Joey Caffone, author of The Laws of Creativity, Unlock Your Originality and Awaken Your Creative Genius. Creative thinking, humankind's unique ability to combine unrelated and abstract ideas, has been utilized in countless ways since the dawn of humanity. Every day, people in creative and non-creative fields take advantage of creative thinking to reach all kinds of goals, personally and professionally. Joey Caffone brings us a revealing and practical exploration of creativity, what it is, how it works, and how you can harness it in your everyday life. He demystifies the creative process by uncovering the thinking and science behind it, empowering the reader with practical, actionable steps towards creative excellence. He's designed and art-directed over 100 products from zero to launch. His work has been featured in Fast Company, Bloomberg, New York Magazine, Newsweek, Bon Appetit, and many more. Welcome to the show, Joey. Nice to have you on today. Hello, Catherine. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Well, okay, I think that I want to just pick out one of the sentences that I mentioned in the intro, demystifying the creative process. I think that's the key here. How do you demystify the creative process? Because most people or many people will say, you know, I'm not that creative. I mean, they never say, like, I'm not that smart, but they always say, and maybe they're not, but they say, I'm not that creative, and they make excuses for themselves. And in your book, you say, well, we have the, all of us have the potential for being creative. Absolutely. When I was writing the book, to begin with, I started to tell friends and family, and more than once I got them to say, uh, totally on their own, are you going to teach us the magic? And I said, no, absolutely not. Not because I can't teach it, but because it isn't magic. So there's this unfortunate association we have with creativity being something you're either born with or not, something that only creative, quote-unquote, people do, like artists or painters or designers. But in reality, it's a part of everyone's life. Creativity simply is the practice of ideas. When you take your ideas and you use them, it's self-expression, and it's that simple. So, Joey, why do we have to be creative? Is it necessary? I mean, we go, we do, yeah, we do our work, we do what we do, we live our lives. Do we have to be creative? What's the purpose? Great question. So uh, there, it is impossible for us human beings not to be creative because you have 6,000 ideas every day. So naturally, when you are using them, the practice of ideas, it becomes creative. But let's say that you don't focus on it. Therefore, you're not creative. Sure. So you're asking, why should I focus on my creativity and improvement? Well, turns out it has incredible benefits. Kids are twice as more likely to graduate from college Adults are happier and they earn over 10% more money, and organizations that are, employ creativity are more productive and they even have a higher revenue growth. Well, okay. so given that, you've given us 30 laws, uh, which give us, I guess, the, well, which is, <laughs> uh, okay, we've, you've said why we have to be creative kids and adults. All right. Now, what are these 30 laws, or to, which will give us the concepts and, uh, I guess, instruct us in how to be created, how to live a creative life? Sure. The book is divided into three parts, foundation, process, and excellence. And in foundation, you're going to learn how to think creatively and in process is the how-to guide. So I literally walk you through, using these laws, start to finish to create anything. And then in excellence, you can learn how some creators rise above the rest and how you can too. There's actually 
a set of laws that govern how really successful people do what they do in terms of making. Now, I do want to bring up an important point because it's, it's critical to the book. NASA did a study, the same organization that puts people in space, which means to be wrong would be deadly. They did a study and they found that 98% of kids are at the creative genius level at age five. Do you want to take a guess at what that number goes down to by adulthood? Um, yeah, I would assume that it would just plummet. Uh, I mean, you, I don't want to, I, I would imagine I can just use the word plummet. How about that? I'm not going to sure. commit. I'm not, I'm not committing. Yeah. You're, to you're absolutely right, Catherine. I put you on the spot. I appreciate That's, it. Uh, okay. The, the it plummets. is it yeah. goes plummets from 98% down to 2%. Now, essentially, kids are creative geniuses, and adults lose it. And so I wrote The Laws of Creativity not to teach you how to be creative, but to help you remember what you already know. So we already know it. By the age of five, we're ready to go. And then it's a downward spiral from then on. I I think the schools help to create that downward – I probably shouldn't use the word create, but are engaged in in helping us to – uh, take that downward spiral, and um, so and family. I guess our whole culture. So okay, let's start with what you say. The foundation. You're what absolutely do we need to right. Do? Yeah. If I if I may, I will say that the reason when we see something go from ninety eight to two percent, that's not a statistical anomaly. That is a guaranteed result. And so I investigated what was going on, and I found that the number one cause is exactly what you said. It's culturally and educationally, we are essentially beating the creativity out of our youth, and we're doing it in a very specific way. There's three parts to that. First, we teach that authority is unquestionable. Second, that man-made rules must be followed to a fault. But third, and the most damaging of all, is that we teach our children that the end is always visible from the start. And I'm not exaggerating, I'm not being hyperbolic. Just think about when you're in third grade and you get a book and you have to read it. Let's say it's Fahrenheit 451, and then the teacher says, you're going to read this, you're going to write a two-page paper on the plot and hand it in. Before you have even read the first word, you know exactly where you're going to end up. And that goes all the way through school. It goes into work when we have a boss who tells us on Monday what we need Friday. And so we are very, very poorly equipped as a culture to handle the unknown, which is essentially what creativity is navigating. When you say that, it makes me think about being in, did you say third grade or fifth grade and probably third grade and younger when you had to do art projects. And they always made you, at least in my day, you had a color in between the lines. You were not, if you went outside the lines, you, you know, you got a bad grade on the paper because you had to stick to doing everything in the line. So anybody who really was beginning to blossom or be creative in the arts, they tried to, you know, the, uh, <laughs> it, it, they, they got they were the ones who were punished for being creative. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned. If I could tell is, you, yeah, I ahead. actually have a story about that, which I'd love to tell you is. Okay. So you mentioned that coloring in the lines when you were a kid. Well, actually, the my life changed creatively with a worksheet where I was assigned to color in the lines. The teacher gave out 
an assignment and it was a little cartoon worm and I colored it in and I went to put it on the board. And for some reason, seven-year-old Joey was so upset that it would look like everyone else's worm colored in there in the lines, a little bit different colors, but all the same. And I went back to my desk and I looked at all the pieces of paper that were left over and I drew accessories, a boombox, a box, a microphone and a necklace. And I put those on my worm. And I put that on the board and my teacher, and this is a, I give her credit. This is a pivotal moment because she could have been one of the teachers that chastised me, but instead she walked up and she said, that's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. And that was the day that the doors swung wide open on the possibilities of what I could do if I thought outside the box. So you had a better experience than I did. I'm probably a generation ahead of you. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, I didn't get that kind of encouragement. Uh, I mean, that's a great example. And, um, I mean, I think things are changing somewhat. I see that in terms of I have very young grandchildren, and they're allowed to express themselves more, quote, creatively. But we have a long way to go, as you say in the book. Um, I think one of the things in one of the chapters you said – we're so always so concerned that puts a damper on creativity is the fear of failure or, you know, we're afraid we're going to fail. We're going to afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid to take that risk. And that's what hold that holds us back. That's one of the big factors that holds us back from going ahead and, and not being able to um, evolve into a very creative person or become a creative thinking person. Yeah. There's this cognitive dissonance that we have where human beings have the incredible gift and perhaps possibly the curse of being logical and illogical at the same time. So logically, if I say to somebody, hey, uh, do you expect me to get this thing right on the first try or do you expect for you to do something right on the first try? People go, of course not. Why would I get it on the first try? That's, you know, I got to learn. I got to figure it out. However, we have this fear of getting things wrong on the first try when we know that it's not something that should be expected. And so the law of, you know, getting over your fear and talking about that is a huge part of helping people understand that actually failure is necessary. And the more failure you have, which means the more attempts you make, literally, mathematically, increase the probability that you'll have a success. So when you jump into something, you're not so much trying to do something right. You're merely trying to do something in which you can learn. And the more you do that, eventually doing something right emerges on its own. Yeah, I I think it, it, if you can put that in the context of some of the people that you mentioned in the book, because there are people, obviously, who have followed your laws of creativity, it seems, to a T, the ones who have been very successful, very creative. And you mentioned, you know, Martin Luther King, Bruce Lee, people from all walks of life, Warren Buffett, Sarah Blakely. Let's talk about her. How did she take all of these, well, probably 39 laws and she was able to apply them to to, uh, her creative work? Yeah. Sarah, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, had a curious path. And for those of you listening, every time uh, I introduce a law in the beginning of the chapter, then I tell you a story about it. So Catherine mentioned a bunch of the individuals from history. And the one in Sarah's tells you about how she essentially sketched it out, quote-unquote. So I, I propose the law that before you can make something, just make it extremely rough. 
getting something out of your head is far more than getting something beautiful out of your head because it's extremely easy to do. So Sarah Blakely, one day she was going to an event and she had her pantyhose were sticking below her capris and she didn't know what to do. Uh, it looked unsightly. The pants were white. The pantyhose were black. And she had this very simple, bright idea to just cut the bottoms off. And immediately, it looked a lot better. Her panty line was great. Nothing showed. She had a great time at the party. And she went home and realized that, why doesn't this already exist? So she took that prototype. She eventually built a billion-dollar business around it. And the idea in this chapter is that you can sketch things out. And it essentially comes in three forms, writing, crafting, or drawing. So it doesn't always have to be a literal sketch like drawing itself. So for her, she crafted. Maybe you have an idea in which you just need to write it on paper to get the full idea, or people who doodle or draw can then get it out quicker. And then now you can have something in front of you that you can show other people, just like Sarah Blakely took that prototype, showed factories, and they were able to reproduce it and turn it into something more refined and then ultimately more successful. Uh, when you say show other people, I think that's where people get caught also. They might they come up with the idea, they write it down, they're really excited about it, but then the ne- taking the next step and showing somebody is, is, is sometimes is a difficult thing to do, and they don't do it. They never do it, and that, so they never get yeah. to the next step. Yeah. It's tough because we identify, it, it, if we're not careful, we start to identify the, with the things that we make. And then when someone doesn't like the thing we make, we feel like they don't like us. And there's actually, you know, that's incorrect and it's an unhealthy mode of operation. And so part of the chapter reminds people that you are not the things you make, just like you are not the things you do. You know, I am Joey who, ha- who designs and who writes, but I don't necessarily need to be Joey the author or Joey the designer because it could be limiting. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. That's one of the things we do have to get over. I think that one of the and bows who have become really successful, and you mentioned obviously some of these in your book, but I think of some of these, I've been talking about them on the show maybe for the past few weeks. But I mean, some of these billionaires, for instance, how did you get to be a billionaire? One of the things that they say, which really falls what you're you're saying in the book is that, you know, their failures were far more, uh, helped them to be far more successful and creative uh, than the things that they were successful at at the beginning. Like failure is really important in order to be creative and successful. Absolutely. Like, for example, Baron Fig, the company that I started 10 years ago and that I run today, is my, it was actually my fifth company that I made before I figured out how to make something that worked just right. And in terms of writing the book, the, um, the Walls of Creativity, the version that people read in their hands is actually the sixth version of the draft. And so iteration is a natural part of evolution. You cannot just come out with something that is new and neat and interesting and successful. You have to come out with a lot of things before you figure out how to evolve that into what you want it to be. So, Joey, how did you figure all this out for yourself in the beginning? I mean, you were the genius at, what, at five, and then, of course, like the rest of us, heading down the, I mean, I guess you said, I guess the defining moment was 
the worm. But were there other things that helped you so that you did not start plummeting down to uh, that, you know, non-genius category? Yeah. Yeah. The the worm moment was so powerful that it helped me retain the quote-unquote creative genius from five on when I think otherwise it could have been beaten out of me. Because I essentially became in a way, addicted to the feeling of having people come up to me and say, wow, that is cool. I've never seen that before. And so then by the time I got into my 20s and started Baron Fig, I was really confident in my ability to to eventually make something that people like. And so, like you said, at the top of the segment, I've at this point, I have designed and art directed over 100 products, and I've learned so much across these 10 years and working with collaborators all over the world, like James Clear, Roxanne Gay, and Netflix, and so on, that after a point, it just became apparent how things were really operating and running. And then writing these 39 laws, it was not that I was creating the laws. I was just witnessing them. I just recognized them and put them on paper. Is collaboration one of the things that are that is that that is necessary if you want to get ahead? If you want to become if you uh, that you need other people that you can't create in isolation, that you need that stimulation, that connectedness. Yeah, talk to us about that because that's what you said. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody has a limited amount of time on Earth. It's just how it is. And we have the same number of hours in a day, and we can only learn so much. And so as we get older, we end up specializing in a certain domain. And whether that's one thing or three things, there are so many things that we don't know. And people can often get caught up in the trap of thinking that they need to know everything or solve every problem. And then what happens is it takes them forever to do anything, gets really lonely, uh, it probably won't come out that well because they don't actually have as nearly as much expertise as someone who focuses on that domain. So collaboration allows you to share knowledge. It allows you to get out of your own knowledge silo, enter someone else's and say, hey, what do you think of this? So, For example, when we first started Baron Fig, which ships physical goods all around the world, we had spent so much time branding and creating products and creating the financial uh, and web infrastructure to operate the business, we did not spend a lot of time really understanding how to ship the goods. So what did we do? Instead of spending a ton of time trying to learn that ourselves from the ground up, we found someone who had done it and we said, hey, here's our business. We laid it all out. And she said, here's exactly what you should do. And so we went ahead and we did that. We put the whole business on the line after listening to her credentials and then her explanation. And it worked perfectly. And so collaborating, domain sharing is critical to making progress. And it's also, to be honest, more enjoyable. Yeah. So now you've been doing this as, what do you say, 10 years, right? Or you've had the business Baron Fig for 10 years? Yes. So where do you think, in terms of the creative process, where do you go next? Because you said it's not a close, you know, the creative process is not closed. It's open-ended. So you have to keep expanding. Where are you and how are you expanding? Well, in my own world, you know, I started the business, which helps people do their best thinking. I wrote The Laws of Creativity, which helps you master your ideas. Now, uh, personally, my next creative experiment will be how do I merge the two and how do I help people on a bigger scale? And that means 
perhaps coaching, perhaps talks, perhaps a second book that answers questions people are left with after they read the first book. I'm really excited for what could come next. That's great. So you're going to do mentoring, talking. Um, well, you're now on the radio, so I assume you're in, on doing other, <laughs> ra- yeah, other programs, other radio shows. You're getting the, getting the word out there, um, expanding Absolutely. yourself. Yeah, expanding yourself and expanding the business. This this book is really it. Really is. I hate to use the word how to, but it is. It's really easy to. It really hits on the important things in an easy way, and you can. It. Um, I, I do recommend it. It's great. I mean, it's uh, people, especially for people who are stuck. Maybe you know they 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 um. Uh, they haven't really figured out exactly. Okay, I've got all these ideas, or have an idea, but I really don't know where to go with it. Read your book, and it really does uh, mark a path for you. I, I guess I would say. Thank you. I'm glad you like yeah. it. I wrote yeah. it so that you could read it from front to back, or you could use it as a reference. And if there's, you know, say someone is struggling with failure, or someone is struggling with publishing their thing that they've spent the last year on, there are different laws that address pain points, that address the ideas. And so you could use it either way. So in terms, you mentioned a next book. What would the next book be? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. I think, you know, once you get the idea, you've got to build it. And so is there a book that now digs into all the different ways that you could build things? Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. What would you say is hold? I'm a social worker, so I want to know. I know it's all about you. What, um, what would you say is the biggest thing that's holding you down now? Or is there anything? <clears throat> Yeah, that's a great question. I'm I'm glad you asked that. And I think a lot of people focus on sharing their successes and their positives, but not their doubts. And I think my biggest doubt that, that's holding me back on a regular basis is I always wonder, am I doing my best? And I know that sounds a little bit like a platitude, a little obvious, but sometimes I have a hard time enjoying myself when, let's say, I'm watching a movie for two hours and I think, ah. Oh, should I be using these two hours to go learn something or write another post? So I am personally struggling with balance, with saying there is a certain amount of work that, that I need to do, and then there's a certain amount of relaxing that I need to do. Otherwise, I'm going to speed right by everything. So you have to create some boundaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, as you're describing it, it sounds like it can't, this, your, I say work or your book or your, um, all of what you're doing can take over your life and eliminate parts of your life that you also need to pay attention to, right? So boundaries, I think that's important. Absolutely. Yeah, those are important for all of us. But, okay, so we only have a couple minutes left. Um, what websites or websites should we go to? I'm, uh, for more information about the book. I assume we can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere. Um, sure. You can, of course, go to Amazon and just type in The Laws of Creativity, and you'll find it there. But if you want to learn more about the book, go to joeycafone.com. That's C-O-F-O-N-E. And you'll see all sorts of interesting facts, quotes, fun stuff. Um, there's a free creativity course that delivers through email, no strings attached, if you want to start there and see what it's all about. And what about Baron Fig? Is there more information about that, about the business? 
Oh, yes, there is more information about, there's always more information about Baron Fig. <laughs> if you'd love to go to baronfig.com, you can hop on over there and you can grab the book. Uh, you can check out all the other cool things we've done. We've got, I believe, the James Clear, Roxanne Gay Netflix collaborations are currently live. Oh, we have some great Black Friday deals. Um, it's a good time to go to baronfig.com, that's for sure. Very exciting, very exciting work that you're doing. I uh, love to have you on the show. And I've been talking to author Joey Cafone, and his new book is The Laws of Creativity Unlock Your Originality and Awaken Your Creative Genius. Thanks so much for being with us today. Great having you. Thanks, Catherine, and thanks everybody for listening. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 